0: Um, okay are you ready to go Yes. look at me look at my look at my <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh I'm ready comedian Grace Mulvey and pop culture obsessive Neve King ask the question what makes a great adaptation
1: we take a beloved book that has been made into a movie or TV show and do a deep dive into what the production got right
0: or very wrong
1: from banger soundtracks to dodgy casting we get into what it takes to make the jump from page to screen.
0: Welcome to The Jump. Hello and welcome back to The Jump. This is... Part two of our deep dive into the phenomenon that is normal people. Part one, we focused on the book and this is the second part to that. So we'll be looking at the television mini miniseries. Um, so if you want to listen to our thoughts on the book, please go back to part one and listen to it before you listen to this. But anyway, in this part, we're talking about the TV series and then we're asking the question, Do hot people have problems too? (laughs) What do you think? Do hot people have problems too? Absolutely not. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you something. Hot people are horrendous communicators because you don't need words when you look this way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, the show. Listen... For anyone out there like I again this was my first time ever watching the show I somehow missed the boat on this. It was like those people who were like didn't watch Game of Thrones and they always talked about it. <laughs> that was me with Normal People. So a little bit of background. Normal People the TV show was uh, produced by Element Pictures for BBC3 and Hulu in association with Screen Ireland. So a lot of cooks in the kitchen here. <laughs> um, much like the 2018 novel the series follows the relationship between Marianne Sheridan played by Daisy Edgar-Jones and Connell Waldron played by Paul Meskel as they navigate adulthood from their final days in secondary school to the undergraduate years in Trinity College. Now, the series was primarily written by the author oh. of Normal People Sally Rooney. Yes, God. and Later. Alice Birch. So Alice Birch is a playwright and screenwriter herself um, written several plays but also written for the film Lady Macbeth <gasps> and on other shows such as Succession Shut up. And Dead Ringers. Don't really know Dead Ringers. <laughs> we Are were about like, oh. I shouldn't have opened with Succession no. and had Dead Ringers. God, sorry guys. I really messed up the order God, of, of announcing succession. her credits. Um, uh, Lady
1: Macbeth, though, also is great. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that film. Oh, is that so with um... Florence Pugh? It's so good. Oh,
0: Florence Pugh. Sorry, I thought it was the... F- oh, I was thinking of the... Um, Frances McDormand. No, that's just Macbeth. Macbeth, oh right. No lady in that. <laughs> um, okay, cool. But it, very unusual that Sally Rooney was involved. Um, this was her first time, as I can gather, that she was doing any sort of screenwriting. Mm. But I think it's what makes, along with Alice Birch, obviously the adaptation such a brilliant one. Like it's very much by the book. Like the book is Bible. Um, directed by Lenny Abramson and Hetty McDonald. So two directors. I think Lenny Abramson did the first six episodes. Yes, yeah. And then she did the next six. So a little bit of back- background again on Lenny Abramson because actually he's quite a kind of star in Ireland. If oh yeah. yeah. Lenny like Abramson's he's, huge. He's huge. He's best known for directing independent films such as Adam and Paul. A great film. Garage, another great film. What Richard did. <laughs> another great film. Grace and I have a have a history a <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had to force Steve to watch it um, <laughs> the 2014 film Frank which like maybe more people outside of Ireland would know yeah. and then Room which was his biggest film to date I think yeah. um, Room the Oscar winning Room um, much like the series lead characters Abramson was also a Trinity Scholar You'd need to be, need you? to be to be involved in this. And he even lived in the red brick buildings depicted in the show. Oh, my God. I love that. Um, It says Lab- um, Lenny Abramson, he says, uh, The feeling of the campus is so built into me, and obviously into Sally Rooney as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of intimate connection to the place that I've had for years. Um, I just want to give like this little fun fact, because this is mental, right? <laughs> um, Lenny Abramson not only is like normal people his old stomping ground, right? And um, it's kind of it kind of came full circle for him in doing this show back when he was a student in the 80s. The location fee paid by Michael Caine's film Educating Rita, which shot on Trinity's campus, was given to film students to experiment with. And he was given some of the mon- money to fund his first short film, The Three Joes, which basically kickstarted his career. Now, I know that's such a random thing, but I read it and I was like, I just think those sort of things show you that like. In Ireland, filming in Ireland, like you know, we're we're getting more and more films coming, but it's such a big deal to actually have things shot on location. Like educating Rita, I remember always that like the big thing was that it was shot in Trinity. Yeah. That like something like that, the college didn't just keep, they gave it to film students to make films. That's huge. That's such such a big deal. The
1: difference between him. Being able to make this career, his career exactly, and it staying a hobby
0: yeah. like that—it it all comes down to money, which it, is you know the theme of the book, the theme, <laughs> and, theme of the book, and the adaptation. Um, the series uh, was released on BBC Three um, in the UK, twenty uh, sixth of April, twenty twenty. I mean, we're t- I'm going to touch couldn't. on the pandemic. I'm going to touch on the pandemic, folks. If, by the way, trigger warning. <laughs> if you can't trigger handle any pandemic. pandemic talk. Um, and then uh, Orti in Ireland, the 28th of April 2020. Can't believe we got it two days after the UK. Colonialism, what can you do? <laughs> um, in the United States, the series came out the uh, 29th of April 2020. So again, a few days apart, but... Really, you're talking a month into the pandemic, this hit. And that helped so much with making this show as big as it became. Um, the BBC signed on early to produce. The broadcaster was looking for, and I quote, a millennial drama series that would feel like an antidote to the bigger supernatural or sci-fi shows that are often aimed at younger audiences. Lenny Abramson and his producing producing partner, Ed Geine, um, at Element Pictures, uh, read... The, like approach the screen version they settled they wanted to settle on a half an hour TV show to suit the book's kind of linearity yeah. and sort of lack of subplots so yeah, we were talking about this basically halfway through watching this series okay I had sort of been like I'll do a it was a week <laughs> I had a week to do this I was like do you know what I'll, it's an emotional show I'll, uh, an episode a night now will do I don't want to overdo it it's tough times for people <laughs> I got a message off Neve. this isn't a <laughs> She goes, you know, this isn't six episodes; it's twelve. I nearly <laughs> lost the will to live. This is an show, but it's an emotional show. Yeah, twelve episodes, and you see, it's BBC, so you immediately think it's yeah. gonna be six. Filming began in June twenty nineteen, and there was a very quick turnaround because the producers wanted to capitalize on the book's popularity. Basically, they kind of said, like, unlike recent literary adaptations that use source materials as like jumping off points. The whole mantra on set for this was the book is Bible. With wow. normal people, they knew this is a kind of beloved book. It becomes so popular so quickly. They were going to stick to it as, yeah. qu- as much as possible. Um, so sh- I even remember, sorry, the promos coming out for normal people. Yeah.
1: And a lot of the promos used book quotes, I believe. I remember there was one oh, promo really? being just like the voice of them on the phone to each other, leaving messages or a few things. You know, there was... That's genius. And it was... Yeah. Yeah, because the book was so huge and that they were definitely playing on that. They were like, "Connell and Marianne were almost treated as quite like this, like, historic couple, I feel, in the the run up to Normal People and during it.
0: Well, that's why I think, like, you know, I think Normal People, it looks like there's money behind it. Yeah. Like, it's a beautifully, beautifully shot film or show that, like, I think when people make shows like this. They basically want to make sure that it's gonna be a hit. So, yeah. like that's why with the book they were like, Right, we'll make this now because you don't wanna to have to convince producers ten years down the line this'll do well. You wanna be like, This is sold a million copies. There's a million people that are gonna watch it straight away. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Shot on location in County Sligo <laughs> and Dublin. Tupper Curry primarily made up the fictional town of Carrickley and the Wild Atlantic Way was used for the beach scenes. And um, they waited until February 2020. February 2020 to shoot the Swedish scenes. No, Where they way. went to Sweden. Now, can you imagine if they waited an extra oh, month? They would have been. My God. Fucked. Like, how mental is that? I like, did again, not know just that. to bring it, March 2020 yeah. was lockdown central. Like, you couldn't. So they were. <laughs> the fact that they made this. I'm just, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm more just like, this show was like one of those shows that I think might have gone under the radar a bit in terms of audiences, yeah. not critics. In terms of audiences, maybe if it was normal life, yeah. but because of lockdown, people had to become smaller themselves. Yeah, a show like this was just prime. For and it. It. it was the thing that like
1: everyone during lockdown, we all wanted to be kind of be talking about the same thing. Like, yes. you wanted to be on Twitter. I, did, I watched a lot of like Twitter movie parties where everyone just wanted to watch the same movie and tweet about it to have that feeling of you're with people.
0: So, yeah, much like the first episode of this, okay, we are breaking down the story into three parts. As not mm-hmm. have so eloquently put, <laughs> right? <laughs> part one is sort of the, ad, not adolescence, childhood, childhood years, years. Childhood years where we're seeing Connell and Marianne sort of grow up. And <laughs> then part two, we have kind of their adolescence years. Um, They're dating other people. They're trying to... Kind of going through a little bit of growing pains. And then part three is when they are becoming adults, you know. So let's talk about part one, which is kind of like episodes one to six. Um <laughs> Listen, we won't go through. We kind of covered the story in yeah, the first one. We won't go into too much what do there. you think in terms of what they got right, maybe of the school years or what the adaptation added to it? Yeah. Casting. I mean, I just think like, yeah, I know we're going to talk about that's the overall show, but like terms of casting, how difficult it is to cast people who are going to age into their yes. mid-twenties from 17. Those are very different ages. Yes. And I think they managed to kind of pull it off. I mean, an understatement, I think. No, like, what I mean, like, it's like like how to pull off someone who's obviously like 21 or 20 playing yeah. a 17-year-old. And I think there's nothing like a school uniform to desexualise people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's it's like... Yeah, those early school years, definitely for me, the hardest to watch. I think they absolutely... I think that the whole show is fantastic. I love, love, love this show. Mm -hmm. I think overall, every beat, they really got right. There's just something about the years or the episodes of them in school that is excruciatingly correct. Like, difficult to watch, Mm -hmm. excruciatingly correct. Um. Daisy Edgar-Jones, who plays Marianne, particularly in that role of this kind of gawky, yeah. unpopular girl who is still absolutely stunningly beautiful. Because I, I remember at the time someone being like, are we supposed to believe that she wouldn't have been like considered beautiful? And I'm like, she absolutely wouldn't have been. She would not yeah. have been. Uh, and the way that they style her and everything is perfect. And also, um, do you know, as
0: well, yeah, I think it's like um, the whole thing about when you were in school, what is pretty? Yes. Is you considering when, when you're in your 20s and 30s, what's pretty Exactly. Is different. Yeah. And what was pretty was the actress who plays Rachel Moore and yeah. had that long
1: blonde hair. Yeah. And I just thought that they even like the friends in the circle who play like Connell's friends. Karen, Lisa, yeah. the
0: actors who play them, perfect. perfect. The girl the girls who are on the side. They like everyone knows their role actually yeah. really well.
1: Yeah. So but in particular, yeah, around that time when they're in in school and in Carigly still, watching back a few things really struck me, especially because as we said, we're we were thinking it through that frame of this is kind of phase one of their relationship and they're insular and they're young mm. and they're still, in a way, children. Um what was huge to me was actually the location because being able to see that small town yeah. and that school was really remarkable because it kind of shows you they're in this tiny space where the smallest things are going to seem huge. Yeah. And the the tr- most petty arguments are going to seem yeah. full of drama and like life or death stuff. Yeah. Whereas at the same time when you see them kind of Mariana and Connell at one point go to the beach and you have that beautiful, stunning, massive breathtaking view of the Wild Atlantic Way mm-hmm. that almost like people like people who live there don't see yeah. you know they can't see beyond themselves like
0: we were saying in episode one like and I people think- literally travel thousands of miles yeah. to come see something like this and you're just sit. it's like sitting on the pyramids and being like well okay let's have the chance exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know. you know that, and
1: you know that was really I thought like the show did like so great in that like kind of location skating like piece yeah. because I can see how you'd be lost in this world of school you know the uniforms and coming to and from school hanging out at the small town hanging out at the abandoned house Yeah. you know hanging out in the pub or the shitty nightclubs and that's your world while all around you is this like remarkable beauty that you can't see because you're too insular yeah and it just nails that, but more, even more than that, any scene when they're in that school. There's even a point where they go to their locker, and he puts his bag on his front, yeah, to take his books out of his bag and put them in the locker, and that sent me into a fucking tailspin. <laughs> I was like, "Who on set knew about? Who told Lenny about this? They ju- like, yeah. What was it like yeah. for you watching that whole school scene? Because every bit in school, I was like, very similar to what Richard did. I was like, "This is too."
0: recognizable to me and I'm cringing on the inside. I think one thing that I found so interesting going back to like the appearance thing the plash doesn't suit her and I think some some genius in hair (laughs) went Okay, this is gonna. I'm gonna how I'm gonna make you a bit doubt. (laughs) (laughs) babes. I don't know Do you like a micro fringe, (laughs) (laughs) a micro fringe and a big plaid does not suit you. Yeah, there is there was something about the uniform that I found very tough to watch, and that was because of how ugly I used to find myself in uniform. I hated how ugly I felt in a uniform, and there is something about them being in the uniform that totally first of all, just makes some kids. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, your kids. Like, that's straight away. The way people hang out with each other, the yeah. way people, like, when you're in a group in school, you're in a group. Like, yeah. you're almost like monkeys hanging out of each other. <laughs> and that's how the lads and the girls are. And everyone's so aware of each other. Yeah. And what really got me, actually, was the way the two, not even Marianne and Connell, because they're almost like, they're going through something that's so intense that yeah. I was like, that wasn't mine experience when I was a teenager me and my little moustache weren't having an O'Connell in our lives I I wasn't having a secret sex yeah like that wasn't happening Um, I hadn't even discovered masturbation (laughs) so let's just say that wasn't happening for me but do you know what I found very difficult to watch was Rachel with the two other friends so the Karen and Lisa particularly the Karen character the lads oh. the way they talk about Karen by the way a beautiful actress who yeah. plays her nothing but the way they talk she's the personality Rachel's the looks they literally say that, yeah. say that in one scene the way those two are so subservient to Rachel yeah. and I find that very hard to watch yeah. Like, but those are little things that's the thing about the scenes this is how traumatic they show us yeah. <laughs> that's but not that's even the main thing that's happening it. that's actually something side that you're like that's a almost set design yeah that's genius because that's someone going, oh, now, listen, this is the dynamic that's happening with you, even though that might be a line. Yeah, but they obviously, you
1: know, and I know we're saying, yeah, it is 12 episodes, but those 12 episodes give those, you know, Lenny Abrams and Alice Birch room to bring yes. that set design in and to let those other characters come to the fore a little bit to give you the sense. And even I noticed the TV show, the first scene happens in school. In the book, the first scene is in Marianne's house. So we're opening yes. the TV show with yeah. this is the dynamic at play. These yeah. are the social hierarchies. Marianne does not fit into this. And having that breathing room to help us understand why Connell would act so cruelly. Yes. Because we don't have the internal dialogue. We don't have that narration. So we have to understand exactly if we plopped into a situation and understand straight away where we are and why the characters are acting this way. and. Yeah. That everything about them being in school is just makes me shrink into myself. I hated school. I hated every moment of it. Everything there was so recognizable you, and you're
0: Marion in that situation Marianne sorry like, yeah. like where she like it's almost like physically hates yeah, this because, place. and
1: they're like the like you said the the group are like monkeys I was like they're like hyenas yeah they're waiting at the locker to pounce on her for any second or like, and she has to
0: come in and it's almost like oh god like you almost, she's almost doing it so quickly yeah you know what I mean like yeah. to get in and out of there yeah. so
1: I just thought they did such a great job of being like this is the world
0: where they live them mm. being together is publicly Impossible. Impossible. You would see yeah. how it's impossible. What I loved as well about Marianne, you know the bit in the classroom where she talks back to the teacher? Again, the casting is so spot on. The actors, like by the way, both actors, the main actors are absolutely brilliant. The whole supporting mm-hmm. cast is brilliant. It's like a treasure trove of Irish and British talent. Also, Daisy does a great Irish accent. We can't ever I think she does. Oh my God, do you not agree? <gasps> I don't think so.
1: But I, do, I don't know that I'm right. But... If you think that she does Then she does Oh my but god Every time I watch that I, I just don't think it's great Oh so cupreeze Yes. <laughs> I just think it's a, it's almost like a bit forced, and I find the way she ends some sentences a bit awkward. Like I, I, just, I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's amazing. But
0: this is the end of this show. Um, <laughs> no, that's gross. every time
1: we disagree. Grace says it's the end of the show.
0: No, I'm <laughs> so. joking. But I, but I love when people. I actually do love when someone else is like, well, yeah. I actually don't think so. Anyway. I think she's a great one. But I do understand when people mm-hmm. can um, hear different things. Um, but <laughs> Sorry I'm, that my ear is just, well, you yeah, <laughs> know, tuned. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In fairness, I am partially deaf in one ear. <laughs> so, um, that I ear- just
1: hear Fenians, Grace, like <laughs> everywhere I go. I'm like, a Fenian.
0: <laughs> I'm obviously a West Brit. Um, so I think there's a great bit uh, when she talks back to the teacher.
1: Yeah.
0: And... Um, It's done in such a way, and I think it's such a great reading by her, where you are like, as in my 30s, I'm like, yeah, what a badass. Because why is this guy on top of her? Who gives a shit if she's looking out the window? This is a top student. Who cares? You got the attention. Just read it out. And do whatever. She just talks back, and like she, but she talks back like, like an adult. Yeah. And actually, that's the teenagers can't handle that. Yeah, they don't know. And, that, she, and her whole thing is to be like, "Why are you on me? Like, what's the problem? Like, you don't own my attention. I can look out a window. Yeah, I have rights." And but it's then
1: like, that horrible moment where Rob or Eric, one of the two hyena yeah. friends, basically says. I don't understand the assignment to kind of make fun of her. Oh yeah. my god. And in how recognize but that's how you would act like I remember I'm sorry, her. there's no coming back from that. No. <laughs> and in fairness to that, they like got a spot on impression. <laughs> you know. But there is something interesting about being in school. I think that when you're in school and you are part of that kind of like popularity class, either you're popular or you're not, or not necessarily popular, yeah. but you're cool or you're not. Yeah. Nothing you do is gonna upgrade you. No. You can be as gassed or like kind of talk back or do any of those things. If any of those spoke to the t- those kids spoke to the teacher that way, it would be gas. Yeah. But oh, because yeah. it's her, it's cringe and embarrassing. Yeah. Like nothing you do is going to be able to help you get to that next level of social no, nothing's popularity. Happen. Yeah. Um you're painted with that brush forever yeah. essentially and you really get that. It's so hard to watch. It's so hard to watch. So then when we see them, you know, leave school, leave Cargley, and they move up to Dublin to start a Trinity. Their styling obviously changes oh, in a way you know because we talked about that, the last episode we obviously talked about how that moment where they meet a Trinity, the power dynamics have completely flipped yeah. because that social popularity piece it's not not important but the rules have changed. Yeah, what it takes to be that popular has changed. And Marianne's kind of the top dog now. her styling in comparison to how she looked in school. One thing that I noticed about her school uniform is that it's really long. All the other yeah. girls obviously are rolling theirs up, making it a little bit shorter. She doesn't care enough to do that. In college, she wears a lot of things that are still very long, but she's very drapey. She's very elegant and rich. Yes. She's wearing a lot of silks. Kind of, She wears... A recurring piece is like a velvet red jacket that she wears a lot. Yeah. Her hair has grown out. Thankfully, the fringe has grown out. Yeah. I hope mine fucking grows out. Um, <laughs> they- <laughs> she's figured out how to do a smoky eye. She, oh, my God. <laughs> she's figured out how to do a smoky eye. Yeah, because yeah, it's just a scene. Yeah. In school, where you see her putting on makeup for like the Debs fundraiser and she's just f- yeah. she's like finger painting the yeah, makeup on. Yeah. And she just looks so beautiful in such like this elegant, very rich yes. way. And Connell shows up in essentially the same clothes that he would have oh, worn in it around Caraglee Like he's in
0: like these kind of skinny jeans. Uh beat up Addy the das. runners are a big thing they kind of focus in on the runners every so often yeah. like you just see that he's not updating his wardrobe no yeah. and he comes
1: with like a backpack and at this point like everyone in Trinity has got like a leather satchel yeah. you know he comes with a backpack I think Gareth even comments yeah like, yeah nice like bag- retro backpack
0: and I'm like fuck shut off. up Gareth yeah
1: it's better for his back actually yeah. satchels are going to fuck you up long term enjoy <laughs> having
0: to get some sort of shoulder surgery okay you're going to have to get steroid injections Gareth <laughs>
1: And eventually over time, I think one piece of new clothing that Connell acquires is like a working man's jacket, like that oh, collarless stop. leather jacket, yeah. you know, that's what he ends up wearing quite a lot. And it's just like, it's so clear where the two of them are in like st-
0: in standing with each other. Yeah. Um, and I call it Marianne's Victorian woman phase. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. she's got it. And you know what? It's quite, although like she does look very wealthy, it's also very, yeah. Uh, sort of college stage. Like, you're not quite sure sure who you are yet. So you're sort of like this costuming. Yes. Uh, So I don't even call it dressing. She's in a costume a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. you're totally right. And one thing I always noticed when watching the show, I
1: say always, I I guess I've watched it twice. um, (laughs) She has a really... ornamental ring yes. have you seen that yeah. I think it almost is it like a skull or something or yeah. an animal skull um, the silver ring that's just so it's very eye-catching and very yeah. jarring and it's just something she would not have worn in school it's a bit weird it's a bit dark because it is like an animal skull mm. um, and it's very out there and it's just interesting to see how she's evolved in this way she's a lot more confident in how she looks and she knows that she's attractive Yes, she knows yeah. that she's an attractive person and that she attracts people to yeah. her because of many things,
0: but most importantly, money, cheap money, yeah, yeah. And now she has the social status. And weirdly, in the group, people are like, obsessed with her. Yeah. And what? That's so. It happens in colleges and stuff where that happens, yes. and it's almost like this thing where you can't touch it, but you don't know how it happened. Yeah. But this person, and you mentioned it with the book, she has the place where you live. Yeah. So they're all like hanging in my area, having wine. Yeah. yeah. And even later
1: on in the show, when we get to like the portion that we kind of refer to as like the adult contentment piece mm-hmm. uh, where she's in a later year in college her styling changes again and she's wearing a lot of like turtlenecks yes and woolly jumpers and kind of long trousers a lot of dark as well a lot of dark, yeah but just yeah. comfortable and yeah. practical and functional and she's going to school with wet hair because mm-hmm. she's gone so you know like there's a few things I love there. I
0: love that she wears a lot of brown actually yeah. I do notice that she wears different versions of brown yeah she's at her most comfortable sorry I thought you meant the Sweden time and during the Sweden time she's wearing a lot of black yeah when she's quite damaged yeah when she's going out with J Jamie and she's talking about the horrendous sex they're having yeah. and stuff. She's wearing a lot of black, yeah. But when she gets into her more comfortable stage, it's like these sort of reds, brands, brands, browns, beiges. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And during that period of Jamie, she's peak pretentious college yes. you know like really just yeah. like swilling
0: wine and you know like just cigarette <laughs> out the wazoo I mean I have to say I feel like there should have been some sort of disclaimer with this show not sexual nothing abusive but I'm just like we'll make you want to smoke your brains out and drink a gallon of wine because every scene I was like god I'd love a wine and a fag and I don't smoke but I was like there's something about them doing it that yeah. seemed so like I don't know cool and attractive um Yeah, that's great because the clothing, because what's so funny about the show is the clothing that kicked off was Connell's, the silver chain. Oh, my God. The the O'Neill's shorts. Yeah. So, like, what I found so weird is I noticed Marianne's clothing much more in terms of her character. But just because it was like, it's like people were like, oh, my God, O'Neill's shorts are amazing. O'Neill should have had to have paid some sort of sponsorship for this goddamn show because they came off so well afterwards.
1: O'Neal's shorts I know but they're not really in the show It was just the picture like his
0: but he literally was in it twice and they were it it went men do you not remember how much O'Neill's shorts
1: yeah but like not because because of Paul Mescal I wouldn't I wouldn't have said normal people
0: in normal people he was wearing them though when? in the football match oh well and then there's another and then there's no but then there's another scene where he's walking around in them as well and like people that's where people saw it and then they saw him walking around in it and they were like oh my god blah 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 but like it was all from normal people let's be honest Okay. <laughs> I'm furious. Furious. First of all, the uh, the accent thing, and know this, and I was so sure. One kind of like thing that comes up straight away uh, in the first part, the first third of this show, episode two, the sex, the sex starts happening, yeah. and the sex is a real signature of this show. It's it what it kind of absolutely is. It be- it's what it became kind of famous for, yeah, right? Because everyone was locked the fuck down. <laughs> Because it was peak pandemic and everyone was like, right, this looks amazing. (laughs) Um, Sad and horny, that's just like me. (laughs) (laughs) Sad, horny and not looking my best, that's just like me. Um, Yeah, the sex really honestly was praised for the kind of way it was handled um, on the show and the work of Ida O'Brien as the show's intimacy coordinator. An Irish woman, of course. An Irish worked on this. <laughs> um, she has worked on other shows like Sex Education and Gentleman Jack. And in 2021, upon receiving a BAFTA for Best Actress for I May Destroy You, Michaela Cole dedicated her award to Ito O'Brien, saying, Thank you for your existence in our industry, for making the safe space for creating physical, emotional, and professional boundaries so that we can make work about exp- exploitation, loss of respect, about abuse of power without feeling and being exploited or abused in the process. And I think that there's something about, I love that this, that she was part of this show because there is so much talk of, particularly, not actually in the book, but in the show of consent. It is right there. Like, they really, like, put it into the dialogue. Like, there's, you know, even when Cuddle and Marianne Marianne are talking about, like, uh, taking nudes and sending them to each other, he's saying, I'll delete them because obviously, like, he's, Referring back yeah. to thinking back to the time when Rob had shown him photos of his um naked girlfriend. And, you know, yeah. you know, they talk very openly about like he asks Marianne quite a lot. Do you want to do this? Do you want to stop? Like, yeah. You know. Even when she says that she's
1: never had sex before. Yeah. And he says, like, well, if you want to stop, it's not going to be awkward like those things.
0: Yeah. It's just matter. really
1: lovely to see. It's yeah. just really refreshing and nice. And.
0: And, and and the fact that she could just nod her head or yeah. shake her head and he'll do it. Yeah. Like that's instead of having to be like, oh whatever or throwing a yeah. strop, even talking about condoms. Yeah. Twice they bring up, um, I don't have a condom, I do have a condom. And one point she when he says, I do you want me to get one yet? Another time she's like, No, I'm on the pill. Those are just really important yeah. moments that actually I think in a lot of sex scenes they skim over because yeah. they're like, Oh, we don't need to go into the whole conversation. That's actually a part of having sex. Yeah. So it is like a big part of it. But there was the sex wasn't without its controversy. <laughs> Niamh, <laughs> in this show, the nudity sparked a debate on Irish radio uh, with callers That's to Joe. This is why jo- we can't
1: have nice things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, when callers to <laughs> Joe Duffy's live line, right, which by the way is such a big deal in Ireland, saying it was inappropriate, there was one woman named Mary who called in the popular Irish radio show live line with a complaint about normal people. Um, She said I imagine it was something you'd expect to see in a porno certainly not for family viewing Mary told the host but anyways that's just my opinion (laughs) I love Irish people when they complain but anyway listen, who am I to judge? (laughs) I'm only ringing into this national radio show (laughs) in the hopes everyone will be forced to listen to me Soon after this the tabloid newspaper The Sun claimed that normal people had 41 minutes of sex scenes making it and in quotes, the the BBC's raunchiest drama ever, right? My favourite bit is in in the <laughs> in the Iraqis, like in the Irish Par- Parliament. Okay, uh, the tourism minister had to explain that a promotional video that was that used some of the scenes that took place on like the beaches to encourage people to come to County Sligo were selective in the episodes. Basically, they had to be like, listen, they were just of the beaches; they were didn't have any sex in them.
1: Oh my god! No, that's because the the sex had become such a part of a conversation about normal people. That's that it he had to explain like no, no, we're not using the sex scenes <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. to get people to come to a teenage boy's bedroom <laughs> in Sligo. <laughs> that's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. But it's,
0: listen. It's part of the whole thing. Um, Sally Rooney has said that uh, writing the sex scenes. In the show was like writing the dialogue in the sense that every beat yeah. of the sex scene counts. So the same care was given to like every fumbling or like tentative caress had some meaning yeah. to what they were going through at the time. Which you can definitely see in like the first sex scene where she's losing her virginity. Yeah. To like later when they're much more comfortable with each other and the type of sex that they're having or the way that they're reacting to each other. Um E.J. O'Brien helped the actors discuss, frankly, what was going on. Um, Daisy Edgar-Jones said, she would, um, parap- uh, paraphrasing here, she would say, we'll just discuss exactly what the emotional beats are here. The whole point of those scenes is never to just have a moment for the sake of it. They're always carrying some form of narrative. Um, sometimes, to get the scene right, Paul Meskel would have to hold himself up in a kind of plank, above <laughs> Daisy Edgar Jones for minutes on end his arms locked out sweat dripping down his nose Um, and Mescal said of this there was this wonderful thing where she would use her hands like this is Ito O'Brien right and she'd be like so Paul all I need to do is to thrust and she'd like show him how to thrust but I think that there's like something about the fact that like I love the openness which would like yeah. holding up like that. yeah like oh my god that man's core after that must have been insane yeah. but like even those things where it's like this isn't and this is what you find so hard say with shows like Game of Thrones that were just seemingly like nudity was just thrown into the background willy nilly but especially willy nilly, nilly. <laughs> um, but <laughs> not a willy in sight <laughs> on Game of Thrones grace <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tell you willy. that um, but like it's the fact that they, they really thought about it yeah. and they were like and they talked it through with the actors they were, and the actors being part of it and being like oh what am I meant to be feeling here or what do I think yeah. of this I think that's why the show became so massive because not only are we all in the pandemic sort of sitting in but like you are getting to see this type of sex that you haven't seen before because I think the type of millennial sex we've seen before is either um, girls which was the first time we ever saw sex we were like oh this is kind of depressing (laughs) oh sex can be depressing or it's like euphoria or like do you know something where you're like I don't know do teenagers even look like this or talk like this or anything like that this was so it was just its own thing. Yeah, and
1: it was it was real and I think like you're referencing girls before if there was kind of this real sex on screen, it was to be kind of embarrassing and to be yeah. like, Isn't this isn't sex actually a bit gross and cringe? Yeah. And yeah, it is. But it's also like loving and tender and intimate. And it can mean a whole host, like anything, like any kind of physical expression. It can represent a whole host of things. And I think yeah. that that's what they got right in the normal people show. Yeah. But so there's a lot of types of sex. There's a lot of meanings behind different types of sex. And this is for a lot of people what sex looks like because sex should be about as well communication and asking those questions. Yes. And also it was very sexy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and none unapoli- of that was lost.
0: Unapologetically, like, intimate yeah. and like hot and yeah. like you know and also them enjoying it yeah like laughing sometimes and i just was like oh this is nice to see yeah people laughing during sex or like smiling or apparently sally rudy um her approach to writing these intimate moments she said in the book she grounds sex and sensation and obviously the context of uh the character's emotional life but when she co-wrote the first six episodes of the show with Alice birch Uh, and describe the sex scenes as probably less written than other parts of the script so Mm -hmm. she said she would kind of leave the room for uh, Lenny Abramson and the two actors to kind of discuss it and work it out themselves so again it's the performers and the director like, yeah, they're going, this is kind of what the sex scene is about, but you guys actually go through the motions here and work it out Yeah, yourselves. like, how are you going to perform this yes, physically exactly. to communicate this story? But yeah, so this is where, like, the sex really kicks off in the first third, um, and probably the most image sex, I would say. I think like, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and
1: especially between them, because we are covering, you know, that period from from school until Connell has to move mm-hmm. out of his house and back to Cargity, so... The, the first two parts of their relationship yeah. and the first two breakups. Obviously the, the sex is also a way of telling telling the story because we mm-hmm. see them with other partners throughout the show and it's never shown with
0: that same level of intimacy I don't think. Well the camera is so much closer up to them. Yeah. So one thing I noticed about their sex scenes it's like we don't like we see parts of their body but there's never huge like mm. kind of, you know, which is what the normal sex scenes we always see in other shows of the thrusting of the yeah. whatever. It's more intimate. It's more of their faces, their arms. It's almost like too intimate. It's almost like you're feeling like a part of there. The other sex scenes, the shots are wide shots from the back. You're seeing yeah. them have sex from like, and it's like, again, a normal sex scene that you would see with anyone. No, not really that much intimacy involved. Yeah. You feel like you're just like, you, you might have walked into a room like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <it's kind laughs> of a, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk about the first deep dive we're doing. So, we're going to pick, like, a scene kind of from each third. The first deep dive I'm going to do of a scene that I think really fascinated me was Marianne's family dinner, okay? So, this is actually her mum's, Denise's family dinner, but we don't... Or, like, birthday dinner, sorry. But we don't actually know that, like, it's only referenced, like, once. There doesn't seem like to be any sort of celebratory thing happening at all in this dinner. It's so, so hard to sit there at that dinner table.
1: And Um, also, I feel like in the the show... Once again, they had the time to flesh out the Yes, quite a lot, Marianne's mom In the book, she's very much a passive observer and they actually have very little interaction. It's still minimal in the show, but I think that the interactions that they do give her and the little bit of backstory they give her about, Mm -hmm. you know, she used to live in Marianne's flat and she had Mm -hmm. a history in Trinity with her sister and all
0: of those little things give a lot of
1: depth and even more heartbreak to that relationship.
0: Well, that's the thing. So in the book, I almost feel like in the book she's, Almost like this sort of like villain character. She kind of says something about Alan beating her, like being mm. physically abusive or mentally abusive to her. And the mum goes, well, if you can't handle some sibling rivalry, which I know yeah. is like, but it then gives you very little of the mum. Yeah. In this, it's actually heartbreaking with the mum. It's very yeah. hard to watch because you can see the mum wants a relationship. A relationship. Yeah. And there is these moments and the actress who plays her, it's just like behind the eyes you can see there's very little happening she's a, this sort of stoic character but like she's had to remove herself completely, completely. So she's, not she's not there yeah. yeah at the birthday dinner what I find so interesting first of all Marianne has finally gotten that smoky eye down and looks fantastic <laughs> so she's home which obviously makes her brother Alan furious because she's looking better than ever but yeah a family member kind of begins the conversation in the uh, at the dinner scene by going we heard you're doing so well in college Marianne and then Marianne's like oh no I'm doing shit," Um and <laughs> Uh, the family member (laughs) then goes, it's so but it's all like, oh my God, no, I'm I'm awful. Um, And the family member goes, oh no, your essays have gone really well, your mother was saying. So again, that hint straight away, your mum talks about you and brags about you to us, which is obviously like, and the mum is almost like drinking her wine, sort of not looking, you know, can't handle this. But that gives us, just that one line gives us some information about her. Then we get the mention of the fact that where Marianne is living is um, a flat that her mum used to live in when she went um, uh, to college in Dublin. Probably, as we can tell, without even need to be told, probably the happiest time of her life, yeah. right? Um, and what she brings up straight away is she goes, well, my sister didn't visit me until my second year of being there. And the sister's like, did I not? And, you know, it's almost like seeing these slight um, familial strains there. Yeah. What I find interesting about that is, I don't know their backstory, but seemingly, if they went down to Dublin to go to that flat, it means they didn't grow up in Dublin, meaning they probably grew up somewhere outside of Dublin in the yeah. West of Ireland. Maybe the sister was left behind for a bit. There's just these things where I'm like reading into it, but I'm like, even that line, why put that in there Yeah. if it's not something, you know? When I got out of this um, scene, and we haven't even got to the end of it, is that in the first part of the episode, we said that Rob, the uh, friend of Conal, unfortunately, dies in the in the in the book and in the show is sort of like a kind of cautionary tale for Connell. Mm-hmm. I think Denise is Marianne's cautionary tale. Denise yeah. is who Marianne will become or could become yeah. if it weren't for meeting Connell. Mm-hmm. So the mum goes to Dublin, has a great time and that's when another member of the family goes, Oh yeah, and that's yeah I love Dublin. That's where your parents met. So again She probably met the dad maybe in college or something. Yeah. A bit like Marianne with Jamie, these guys who are not nice who are abusive to her. These could be the guys she ends up with if she doesn't learn something. But because they're in the same place at the same time, there's this thing of like, well, we're supposed
1: to be together. We both have this similar background. We're the same class. Yes. Yeah.
0: And we can forgive this because again, we're attracted to each other because we're attracted to probably money. What I loved so much is like, oh, the question of have you been up to visit, Alan? (laughs) Like, you know, this whole thing of like, um, God, he's such a miserable prick. prick but <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I really love is that, like, even though Alan gets complimented by, it's like I kind of like an uncle type character. He says to Marianne, uh, he they're because they're talking a bit about Marianne. You can see it really irks at Alan. And then they bring up the dad, and it's like the moment because Alan's actually probably okay. He's getting complimented on the work he's doing. He's climbing the ladder in whatever company he works for locally. And then they bring up the dad, and it's like instantly. Mm-hmm that's where the kind of scene ends. The moment one of the uncles goes, oh, your dad would have been so proud of both of you. Next thing, you head into the scene where it's a horrible scene, but she's cleaning up after dinner. And of course, it's her cleaning up. It's never going to be Alan cleaning mm-hmm. up. It's the daughter cleaning up. And he comes in and he like puts the sponge of water over her face and the mum sees it and does nothing. Yeah. This scene is so important to me because, again, it's the cautionary tale of the mum. But it's also like what leads to abuse is like... These family dinners where everything is going to look fine to everyone else. And then it happens behind closed doors. And there was also a very, very small moment when when the dad's brought up. There's like a grandmother type character. I'm imagining it's the grandmother. The look on her face. Yeah. When they mention the dad. You know that woman knows. Yeah. And those are the little things. As you said, it's like the friends with Rachel and stuff because they have more time, the 12 episodes, you get to paint this picture without saying a word. Yeah. And then you understand the mum more when later again in that episode, they're in the car and the mum's like, you know, Marianne's basically like, why don't you do anything with Alan? Like, you just let this happen. And she goes, and the mum just goes, what would you have me do? Yeah. And Marianne has no response. Yeah. Because actually, she's kind of in an impossible situation. Now, she does make choices. I'm not saying, not forgiving her for that. But she also is just like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And she indicates
1: to us that she kinda, she says to Marianne you know, it's very hard on Alan and yeah. Marianne says oh it's not hard on me and she says well no not really Marianne no, you're up in Dublin no. in the yeah. free flat once again I'm not justifying any of Alan's behaviour but I do think we see in him this kind of mirror image of Connell's friend Rob yeah. like maybe he's someone who never got out of Carrigley and he got a job because his uncle was able to get him yeah. one and he is a bit of a sad sack and you know throughout the series more so we see him hanging out with people of Marianne's age group yeah he's He's, in the pub with them he's in the pub with them and you know they we know that they don't think much of the Sheridan family in Carrigley they think they're weirdos Mm -hmm. so he's hanging out with people younger than him at their mercy yeah so he clearly does and he's like he's always sitting at home with the mom and that's just where he is in his life and he's trapped he is trapped there and as a result of that he's lashing out at Marianne who in his mind, has gotten away. Yeah. And you're right, her mother is her cautionary Mm -hmm. tale because she's not getting any support from anyone and so she's learning to accept it. Yeah. She's learning to accept that behaviour and believe she deserves it and her mother's reinforcing that
0: by saying it's pretty hard for him, you know. Yeah, yeah. And just because it's not hard for Marianne, Does that mean she deserves it? And I know this is like jumping forward then a bit but that then does explain to me when Marianne breaks that social contract. Yeah. The familial contract which is we just put up with this silently. Yeah. And we get on with it. We come home for the Christmas. We come home for the birthdays. Yeah. We get the bit of abuse and then we go back but we that's what we do. And then you get to stay in the apartment in Dublin. And when Connell Yes. basically goes to Alan if you touch her again if you say anything he basically threatens him. And Marianne's like, yeah, I'm not putting up with this anymore. Get out of the, get out. Yeah. Get out of the apartment. You're no Absolutely. longer going to have the money. See you later. It's not, oh, you know, we need to look at ourselves. It's, you broke this, like, silent contract we all had. And now you're out. That's yeah. it. And the mum will never look at you again. Because you, you're doing what she should do. Yeah. And that she can't. So she can't look at it.
1: Yeah. The price of her finally loving herself and respecting herself is that financial privilege yes that is that is the price and you know connell we've seen we got a little bit more a tiny bit more insight in the book i think to connell's Mm -hmm. background i think there's a scene in the book that's not in the show where lorraine's mom kind of says something a bit mean to connell about like his his dad or his background well i think as well lorraine's from a rough family and lorraine is from a rough family there's a reference to one of her brothers being in jail at one point uh But we can get that sense that Lorraine sacrificed quite a lot so that Connell could have a happy upbringing. Mm -hmm. So that she could be responsible for raising him by herself. And that's probably why they're in the situation where financially things have been a struggle. But on the other side of that, what they got is that love. Yeah, yeah. You know, they have that love and respect for each other. And Connell says that he never
0: needed to know who his dad was. It never mattered because... He's hot, he has Lorraine. And when you see the convert, like even this bit where he's walking through like some park and talking to Lorraine yeah. on the phone and you're like, this this is a good relationship. And yeah, yeah she is a clean. And she's so, so, you can tell by the, the actress played Sarah Green, is a great actress. Sarah she Green, she, she yeah. plays her so brilliantly. But like, you can see that like, this is a smart person. Yeah. Emotionally and just like, like she understands the world around her. Yeah. She understands Marianne really well. She understands how vulnerable she is. She understands the mum, the mum's a weirdo. You know, like, yeah. she gets it all and you're like, God, you probably could have been so many things. And hopefully, I think, after Connell sort of maybe has the skulls and yeah. she can go do other bits. Yeah. But, like, she has just sacrificed everything yeah. until then. And had been a cleaner and, do you know what I mean? Like, not that that's anything wrong with that, but, you know. But even though she was able to, like, Connell
1: references uh, during a conversation when they're in Italy, Marianne kind of has this revelation in Italy after skulls, I think, about... Mm. Money, money. She's like, shit. Like, you yeah. don't have any money. That's insane. That must be awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of reckons with the fact that yeah, your your mom works for mine. She kind of says that for the first time, and she's like, I assume she doesn't pay her very well. And Connell says she pays her fuck all.
0: And I, that line, yeah, is so funny because Connell doesn't really talk that no. like that. So to hear that, you're like, oh, he's been angry about this for a while, a long time. Yeah,
1: and the fact that Lorraine is the type of person who can see past that mm-hmm. and still feel this unbelievable sympathy for her like she feels sorry for Marianne oh absolutely she feels so sorry for her because she knows ultimately
0: that shit doesn't matter she's yeah. going to
1: be unhappy because of the way she's been treated at home
0: and that house in the, I think they do the house really well it is so unwelcoming yeah. it's so cold even when you're like the, any room they're in I'm like the furnishings everything in here like are shit everything's like a
1: blue or a teal yeah. or something like it's just completely... but it's just everything
0: is wrong and like there's always like <laughs> bottles of wine yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean everyone's so desperately unhappy yeah. so on to the second part okay so that was my deep dive for the first part the second part again we're kind of coming into adolescence as Niamh likes to say <laughs> in normal people this is after Marianne and Connell have had the horrendous breakup. Yeah, the that ac- wasn't the a breakup. breakup. Yeah, the sort of the tripping over breakup. I don't, <laughs> know how we ha- I don't know how we got there. Okay, they I don't know how it happened. And they've broken up. <laughs> and actually, what they do in the what they do in the in the show is brilliant. Yeah. The POV, so you see that breakup twice and at different stages. The yeah. way they jump in that episode is really good, and you can so totally see the misunderstanding. Yeah, like it's actually, actually painful.
1: So when they tell it through Connell's POV, the line is he says to her. I guess you'll want to see other people. And Marianne says, "I guess so, yeah." But when we see it through Marianne's point of view, he says, "I guess we should see other people." Right. And even like the framing, like when you see it through Connell's point of view, Marianne looks incredibly aloof, cold, a little bit angry. Yeah. And when she's picturing herself in that moment, she just looks incredibly fragile and inf- incredibly sad. Yeah. And he just storms out. Those miscommunications happen. You know, those they mis- happen
0: so daily that I I don't know how we get up in the morning. <laughs> Like, I miscommunicate to myself sometimes. <laughs> when I look in the mirror, I don't know what I'm looking at. You know what I mean? Like, how do we function? Yeah, and it's just, it's really sad.
1: You know, it's yeah. just like that misremembering and putting yourself back in the scene and saying again and again, what, what did I say? What did he say? Yeah. How did we get here? Because
0: remember, he said, no, you said you wanted to see other people. And she's like, I never said that. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It's just that horrible, yeah. But anyway, that, after that, we get to Italiano. <laughs> okay, we're in Italy now, baby girl. A lovely few scenes with Connell and Marion yeah. in Italy, yeah. and she and see- just Of so course, she speaks fluent Italian, the bitch. But like, you know, <laughs> you'll forgive her.
1: <laughs> and that beautiful house that they're in. I like, he's calling Helen from the house. She's like, "Well, how's Marianne's palace?" He's like, "Oh, yeah, it's a, it's I a w- tumble of bricks."
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, my favourite. He does go into a little bit of gossip with her, and I love this. Oh, yeah. He just say, "I saw a few figs come out now." <laughs> And, yes. and <laughs> Helen says Helen says Of course Marianne Make fits And I was like That's so funny Because at least He's given her A, a give her smidgen something. of something, yeah, like, her something Like come yeah. on yeah. That's a delight the table, That's yeah. a delight
1: So obviously during this period These two episodes Is where we see them Separate quite a lot yeah. They're often in different places Or we have Marianne in Sweden And then I think what marks The half of the book Is Rob's suicide And I wanted to Take a look at that episode And two scenes from it In particular Okay the first being Rob's funeral. That uh, devastating scene then. They found out that he's died and all the lads go to the pub, obviously the day before the funeral. And it's these four, the four kind of main school friends sitting in the pub and they all have pints in front of them. The pub is empty and they just look all so desperately hollow and mm-hmm. devastated. And some of some of the guys who obviously still live in Carraglee are still would have mm-hmm. seen him and said like, he always wanted one more. He started picking he fights. He to go home, yeah but it was never bad enough for us to worry. Yeah. And just that feeling and it's their first big thing that they're facing. Yeah. I think you know you get that sense of they're like shit, how do we how do we do this? Mm-hmm. How do you go through this grief process? Yeah. After that you see Connell go home and he sits on the couch and you see him just like uncontrollably crying to the point that it looks almost like a bit of an anxiety taxi you know that everyone knows that feeling that of you're just you don't know where to put your arms and you're rocking back and forth and you can't get you just want to get it out Mm -hmm. of you and you can't and Lorraine comes and comforts him and is trying to help him and um. Then we have the funeral scene. So oh, they arrived at yeah. the church. Helen has come down from Dublin as well to go with them to the funeral. Helen, unfortunately, handles this wrong from the get go, yeah. and I think that's pretty clear. You know, when and she's
0: also young. Like you are, sort of like weirdly, yeah. like yeah, you're not. You don't understand this. You yeah. just don't get it. And as
1: we know from episode one,
0: Helen's a girls' girl. You know, she's, <laughs> she's a girls' girl. But also, do you know, as well, I will say this. Like, I'm sorry, but like, when him and Marianne see each other, like, long lost lovers. Yeah. Like, Jack and Kate at the end of Titanic. (laughs) And she's she's meant to stand there and be like, this is normal. Like, (laughs) they hug for what seems like 10 minutes. And she's standing there like a spare tit. Just being like, I don't know what to do here. And yeah. Yeah, he,
1: they walk into the church together, and Connell has been completely distant. I think from Lorraine and yeah. Helen, he's been unable really yeah. to communicate how he's feeling, or apart from that crying scene, express a lot of what's going on. And when he sees Marianne, he just completely he crumples into her mm-hmm. arms. Mm-hmm and she's holding him in the aisle of the church, a very yeah. visible spot for the lo- a long time. It even flashes, gives Rachel Moran a little... Oh, I... <laughs> you know what's so funny? That was like, to me, it was almost like, I was like, oh my, it was like a celeb spotting. I was like, there's Rachel. <laughs> there's Rachel Moran. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Connell's ex-girlfriend who he brought to the Debs over yeah. Marianne, gives a little jealous glance in the church as he hugs Marianne, and she's home for him. We know, everyone yeah. there knows this. Yeah. Because she was not friends with Rob. Yeah. Rob made her life out, so she's home for Connell. It's that's port and yeah. you know what it makes you think of Grace. But between that and her showing up at the funeral Sex in the City when Miranda's mom dies. Oh
0: stop. Stop. If you want to talk sadness <laughs> <laughs> that's sadness.
1: I think Truett. the episode of Sex in the City when Miranda's mom dies is one of the best pieces of TV yep. of all time. And the scene where at the end when Miranda who's really, as all Sex and the City fans would know, has spent the episode asserting her independence and how yeah. okay she is walking down the church aisle after her mother's coffin on her own starts to break down and two things happen which is that Carrie rushes out to hold her hand and kind of yeah. physically support her down the aisle and then she's <clears throat> starting to <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> and um, then she, and Steve. Aiden and Steve, uh, and Steve is Miranda's ex boyfriend, yeah. for those who don't know, are standing in the back of the church. And that's as well, such it's such an Irish thing. I yeah. know Sex and City is not an Irish, but to show up regardless of your relationship currently, you show up because there's been a relationship
0: in the past. Well, even not to go into too, too much detail, but uh, when I had a, a cousin of mine passed away, Um, there's so many people showed up to the funeral. And uh, one guy from the estate who lived in London showed up. Right. And I don't think he was able to get the time off work. So he said to a random person, he said, listen, I can't get to the family. But can you let them know I was here? I got to go back to the airport. Yeah now that is like I'm almost joking it's stuff like that you know like sometimes I think we get lost in the big displays but it's the it's the people in the background who just show up Yeah, you'll never forget them No, who show up out of nowhere in your darkest times and they don't even need to be people who you know that you even keep in contact with that much eventually Helen has to come and actually physically move him up the aisle this is
1: what got me because this is unfortunately as Grace said I think in our previous episode This is not an unfamiliar situation Mm -hmm. to a lot of people in Ireland. Mm. I think a lot of us have been to funerals like this of young men. and The way that they communicated this town, handling this grief, Mm -hmm. through the dad of Rob. So the mum is just bawling her eyes out. Inconsolable. Mm -hmm. Can't look at anyone, can't acknowledge anyone. And Rob's dad has taken on the social responsibility Mm -hmm. that people have to do in Ireland of thanking them for thanking you for coming. So everyone lines up and walks up the aisle of the church to pay their respects to Rob's parents. And every person that Rob's father shakes hands with, he has a comment for. And a lot of them are in the ga jerseys that Rob would have worn. Mm -hmm. And at one point he says, I love to see, I love your colours.
0: He says you look great. He's like, you look great." great.
1: Then it comes to Connell, who was just absolutely incapable of speech at this point. He's so devastated. And he says, oh, Connell, good man. I hear you're doing great things in Trinity. And Connell obviously breaks down. He, he walks away. He says, I'm so sorry. And he walks away and he just goes and finds an island, and sits down. And the panic and the yeah. sorrow is overtaking him again. Because he feels that he abandoned Rob. Yeah. He thinks that he left. He feels that... He left that life behind and he never go went back. Yeah, And that if he had, that maybe something would have changed. Mm-hmm. We know that's not true. Yeah, and it's never true. And yeah. it's never true. But that then feeds into later. We see it when he goes to counselling and what we talked about in the last episode, that feeling of you can never go home again. Mm-hmm. And Rob was his friend, but not on that deep spiritual level. No. Like they would never have connected in that way. But he feels that burden of responsibility and he feels his impact on the people around him yeah, and he is suddenly aware of his own place in this community and that his actions in a way not in this case Mm -hmm. but his actions can have consequences to other people and it's just devastating to see that all fall on his shoulders in that moment when
0: and there's this really sad moment where he really loses it in the counselling scene where he goes um, you know he's saying like you know I thought, like, by leaving Cargley, I'd go and I'd find like-minded people because I never really... I always felt a bit off and out. Yeah. And, and and I thought, oh, college would be where I'll find these people. And I didn't. And I don't like it here. And, like, you know when someone says, I don't like it here, it's like a child saying it. Yeah. But we have all said it. Yeah. I don't like it here. I don't feel like I've met people here. And then he says, and now I can't go home. And Rob's not there. And I can't see Rob and I can't go home. Because what really Rob kind of, like almost represents is that life he can't go back to now. Yeah. It's totally gone because yeah. if Rob's gone then that's completely gone. Yeah, it's like, never going to be the same. We
1: then obviously go into Connell as you mentioned in the counselling scenes. His counsellor is played by Noma Duma-Zweni, uh who's just like a really fantastic actress and I'm so glad that the it's a relatively small part yeah. but she really brings a lot to it I feel she brings a lot of gravitas yeah, to and it and actually
0: something that's missing in the book Yeah. because the counsellor I feel like the counselling
1: in the book is a bit like I do feel the counsellor in the book though is a it's a college counsellor and yes. I, I went to our yes. free college counsellor and to be honest it's just a nice person yes. like it's, you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not yeah. counselling and in fairness
0: this woman is like top brass yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: I know it's probably one of the most famous scenes from Normal People is that counselling scene and probably what kind of skyrocketed Paul Mescal to the level of respect Because we're shocked right when now. men cry Shocked We're literally um, like he cried on <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> cue <cool. laughs> But that close up monologue where it's just his face like yeah. it's just his face and saying like as you said about Rob and Cargillian never being able to go back and that unfolding in front of you as he completely breaks down and loses it is just
0: But also the panic there's something about mm. the way he breathes in that scene this could yeah. sound so nerdy but it's that bri- It's that when you can't get your breath yeah. you're so upset and, and it actually you're like I completely buy him in the scene like yeah. this is the most authentic a, a performance yeah, yeah it's absolutely stunning so one thing that I
1: will say sorry mm. very quickly I just have a theory that I have to get off okay, my chest
0: okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he should have gone to Maynooth
0: <laughs> that's where he should have gone no 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 babes DCU you <laughs> So DCU. from the second
1: I saw that scene the first time I was like no if Connell had gone to Minuit because they take it very seriously there but they also have a laugh like he would have to <laughs> yes. Minuit yeah 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 and that is my as someone who did English <laughs> Minuit <Maynooth>, my secret <laughs> personal belief <laughs> that Connell Waldron would have been perfectly happy maybe not a successful tortured writer but perfectly happy had he gone to Minuit so. instead of Trinity so I think we should move on then to our final part yes. which in the show is quite short it's only two episodes yes, I know very quick um and I love we've talked a little bit in the last episode but for me revisiting normal people this time around for me it was all about Marianne and Marianne's journey I just found really just really touching and remarkable and like I said so many times I just felt like so much like I just wanted to hug her and yes this part in the show I think is so gorgeous and we we see her move into this content time of her life. She's cut that social yes. contract with her family. Mm-hmm. She's decided to dedicate herself to the people in her life who give her support and love and safety. And we haven't mentioned her at all, but another best friend yeah, um, Joanna. Oh, Joanna. Joanna in the show is Marianne's friend who is is there throughout college. She's there for the Peggy and Jamie years. Yes. And she's there after them. Yeah. And she... It's just a good, loyal, kind friend. We always see her cooking. She's always cooking a meal yes. for Marianne or making her a cake. Or um, and there's or the way they re-
0: interact with you. You're like, yeah. oh, that's real. Like yeah. Peggy, it's very performative. Yes. And you know what one thing I want to bring up? I never trust anyone who says, but you're my best friend. You know when someone
1: Absolutely tells not. you?
0: Absolutely not. You know when someone tells you they're your best friend a <laughs> lot? And you're like, we should just be able to be. Yeah, you don't have to constantly you have to tell me. piss just show on me, me. like your yeah. territory. Like that's it. Where Joanna's just there. She's she is her best friend. Yeah, it never has to be said. You know what I mean. There's
1: actually a great scene in the show. I think that like so the three girls Marianne, Peggy, and Joanna, who are a bit of like a threesome mm-hmm. in the early years of college, are talking about their moms, yes. and Peggy says something like, "Oh, she's barely there, but she earns a lot of money." Yeah, And then Marianne obviously kind of reveals like her mom is quite distant. And then they kind of look at Joanna and say, what about your mom? She's like, oh, I, I really get on with my mom. Sorry.
0: And I'm just like, sorry. Yeah. Like, she's just genuinely like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to pretend. Like, she obviously
1: comes from like quite a healthy, loving yeah. place. So she knows how to give and receive that. So Marianne, there's a beautiful collection of scenes where Marianne is... Um, just living her life and really being in mm-hmm. it. She has taken up swimming and there's this really lovely moment in the scene where she finishes a length. She's kind of sitting in the pool. She's taking a breath. And she kind of watches an old woman getting out of the pool, tailing herself down. And it's almost like you were saying earlier, Grace, about her mom being this cautionary tale. Yeah. I think she's seeing an alternative future for herself yes. for the first time. One where she's at the forefront of her life. Yeah. And her life is for her own enrichment and her own enjoyment, and then she meets Joanna. They go to class together. Afterwards, they're walking and they're saying, "Oh, what will we do tonight?" Yeah. They say, "Will we make dinner and watch a film?" And Joanna says, "Did we become fifty-year-old women and not notice us?"
0: Or fifty-year-old married couple. Yeah. Fifty-year-old married couple.
1: And I love as well that this is the the part of the show and the book where Connell and Marianne are happily together. Yes. But it's the first time where we're seeing them happily
0: together and living independently. Yeah, that's it. She has her own stuff going on. He has his own stuff going on. Yeah, Yeah. it's such a love. And that's actually like, I always love, and we don't see it enough of just healthy relationships of people just doing that and not being a problem. Exactly.
1: You know, she has this relationship with Joanna that's important to her and she's keeping up and maintaining and obviously, and it's almost like a given that they're going to hang out that night. Yeah. So I think that that's really lovely and what encapsulates this for me is the final scene. So the show ends differently to the book. And as we discussed in our first episode, I wasn't a huge fan of how mm-hmm. the book ended or the final kind chapter of, abrupt, of the book. Yeah. It, was, it was very abrupt for me. And I did, I just didn't think it did the story of these two people justice. Mm-hmm. The final scene of the show, I think, is so unbelievably beautiful and an absolutely perfect, perfect ending to the story. Um, so it begins, they're moving Marianne basically out of the Dublin apartment. Mm-hmm. She has decided that this life is not worth Having to keep these abusive people yeah. uh, in her life. She's moving out. We don't know where she's going. We actually don't mm-hmm. get any insight into where she's moving to
0: or how she's paying for us. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's one thing that well, she's in Skulls still, I imagine. Oh yeah, of course. She's in so Sculls. everything's pay everything's paid for her, so I imagine she's moving into <laughs> skulls. <laughs> but but I guess we still don't have to worry that much about But yeah, at the same time she's doing history and what like fucking politics we yeah. have to I mean as long as she's doing finance but I
1: mean, <laughs> Um, So Connell's helping her move out and then you see they're having kind of like a final cup of tea in the house obviously this house has Mm -hmm. meant a lot to Mm -hmm. them she says that she never really felt like home but a lot has happened to them both here and they're sitting on the sitting room all of the kind of grandeur and that that was a beautiful apartment like it's full of velvet couches and rugs and drapery and it's very much an old Dublin house for Protestants um, <laughs> Church of Ireland they're, <laughs> they're sitting on the floor facing each other but they're kind of overlapped yeah. you know they're kind of almost side to side but a little bit back so they can look directly at each other so they're very close to each other and Marianne brings up his New York, his New York yeah. in opportunity. opportunity to join an MFA in New York Um, and Connell says it just feels too hard right now everything has always been so hard and I just want this year to feel easy yeah and you do get that sense like for the two of them they've had such a rocky time of it he hasn't loved Dublin but they're finally together in the scenario that he's always wanted because he has said them together in the first year of college was the happiest time of his life and he finally kind of has that back in a way that feels safe yeah and he said everything has been difficult and hard and I just don't want that anymore and Marianne says but this would be difficult and amazing you like he says can you picture me in New York and she says yes I can so then he says will you come with me and she says I want to stay here I want to live the life I'm living here I'm getting better at it and I love that so much I and know. it makes me so emotional because I'm so happy for her because yeah. she's worked towards this and to be able to say no yeah, actually I need to be doing this right now is the ultimate sign that she is in this adult period of her life because she knows what's good for her and she knows what'll make her happy and to you know going off to New York to live with your boyfriend that's a very hard thing yeah. to say no to but to say it
0: sounds like an adventure but like realistically he it's his adventure yeah it's actually not yours yeah and you that, would I be, think what is would the you be doing yeah. yeah it's a bit like again Carrie Bradshaw going to Paris <laughs> Alexander Pachowski.
1: Listen. She shouldn't have done it. (laughs) She shouldn't have done it. She stayed there two days. So Connell eventually says then it's only a year, I'll be back. And Marianne says, Don't promise that. Because you don't know that. I don't know where I'll be and you don't know where you'll be. Let's trust, you know, they're ending on this communication where they're saying, Let's trust that we've been through enough so far that no matter what, we'll be in each other's lives. And maybe it is platonic. Yeah. You know, maybe it isn't romantic. Maybe we'll meet someone that's actually in that way, better suited for us, but we're not going anywhere. Yeah. And Marianne says, we've done so much good for one another. He says, I'll go, she says, and I'll stay and we'll be okay. And it speaks back to that conversation of, Love and rela- not just romantic relationships, but all kinds of relationships being transactional in a way that is going to benefit and hurt you in kind. Yeah, You're never going to be safe from being hurt when you're with people because people are flawed, but you're going to change. Yeah. You know, love is going to change you and their love has changed them and it's made them better and stronger. And also they've grown to a certain point and they've just gotten comfortable. But unfortunately, life happens and it's,
0: you're going to yeah. grow again. You know, and it always changes when you just get comfortable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's the probably truest, truest part of it all. And yeah, it is the, like yeah, it's a beautiful moment because you can see they've grown so much. But it's also just like it's fuck so me, come on, yeah. like can we not have a minute? And that's life. Yeah.
1: So that's the end of the show, and I love. I just think it's so beautiful. I think it's so perfect. I'm so glad that they changed that ending yeah. for the show.
0: No, it was it was great, and they needed that for sure. Yeah. And it's more optimistic, if I'm yeah, honest. I find it a bit More optimistic. Um. Do you want to hear the logline? I guess. Oh, you hate this, but I love this. Bit. Now, I couldn't actually find the log logline, but this is how the BBC iPlayer describes the show, so I'm going to go with this, okay? The electricity of first love between two people who changed each other's lives. No, it's not right. No, I mean, and it's also, like, needs a comma or two. Mine is the inability of Irish men to string a sentence together, but we'll forgive anything if you look good in a simple chain no O'Neill's shorts. I mean, it's not as catchy. (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Jump. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe to the show. And tell all your friends about us. It really helps us to continue to make the show even better. If you want to contact us with recommendations on what to cover next, message us on Instagram or TikTok at The Jump Podcast or... Email us at the at gmail.com. That's the jump at gmail.com.